0: Coming up on this week's show, we've got book reviews, plus we talk NaNoWriMo, and we unveil a new Top 5 segment. Welcome to the Big Gay
1: Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Kanaus. Welcome to episode 57 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast.
0: I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. Hello. Happy November. Happy November to you too. How you doing? I'm fine. You're more better than last week. Your cough has subsided a bit. I am feeling better. Thank you for for, uh, all the care and attention in the past week. You're very welcome. You you took care and attended to me, too, because I got sniffly and sneezed. You got and... sick immediately after me, but... Yeah, and mine was less than yours. You got it far worse, so I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Now, all is all is well in the Big Gay Fiction podcast house. Yes. We're hailing hardy and, hearty and ready to go. Yeah, so we, we got going this week. NaNoWriMo started on Tuesday. We actually started on Monday. We cheated just a little bit. Started early because it made more sense to me to start as the week began. Um as you know from previous episodes, we're co-writing a book for the first time ever during this NanoRimo. Uh a cute little romance between a hockey player and a school teacher. Um how would you say the co-writing's gone so far? Are you pleased with where we're headed? Well, considering I haven't code any of the writing just yet,
1: I think it's going fantastic. Well, no <laughs> I don't think that's really true.
0: I mean, to be fair, you know, we've both worked on the plot and the beats. Yes, we have. For the for the story. Uh, to let people know kind of where we stand, uh, it, by true NaNoWriMo count, we're at 9,322 words as of Sunday, November 5th. And that's only the word count between the first and the fifth. It doesn't count the 1,800 or so words I wrote on Monday, just to keep all of NaNo in, in, in order. Um, we started plotting the book based on uh, Gwyn Hayes' Romance and the Beat uh, story structure that she lays out in that book called <laughs> Romance and the Beat. I'm glad you had me read that before we got started. I found it very insightful to see how romances, truly the beats work themselves out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drilling down uh, into the 17, I think it's 17 beats that she puts it into, if I remember correctly. So that's what we're using to kind of structure this. We have had two story meetings so far outside of when we originally plotted the book. And so far, so good. I'm basically responsible for what we call the fast draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is taking the beats and actually expanding it into a scene or a chapter or whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, And then it passes over to Will to have whatever magic he's going (laughs) to sprinkle on it as the Mm co-writer. And then by the time all that's done, we'll have what officially will be known as our first draft. Yeah. I haven't
1: done any official sprinkling just yet. I have been reading as you have been writing,
0: and I'm very happy with the direction of the story so far. Yeah. I'm, I'm pleased with how... How, how Caleb and Aaron mm-hmm. are going onto the page so far. Yes. Yeah. So more on that as NaNoWriMo continues. We hope your first few days of the NaNoWriMo 2016 has been going well, and yet you've been meeting whatever goals you have for yourself. Uh, some other writing news came out this week. Uh, Love's Opening Night, which is a uh, somewhere between a short story and a novella. How would you categorize that one in terms of its length? Short novella, perhaps? It's a novella. <laughs> it's a novella? Uh, has a release date of December 28th, uh, which I'm excited about. Get get a release in there right between Christmas and New Year's to round out the year. The cover for it is awesome. I absolutely love the cover. I uh, hope I can reveal it to you all very soon. Also, Summer on Mackinac went into editing this last week, which is my entry in Dream Spinner's uh, States of Love series, and that'll be out sometime in the spring. We'll, we'll have dates on that as soon as, as I actually find out what that is. All I know right now is spring. And in a nice surprise twist, um, I had the opportunity to put Rivals uh, in as an audiobook. Uh, production started on that last week, and the 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 goal is to have it out by Christmas, since it is a story that takes place between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So very excited about that, and more details on that as the production and the dates get solidified. There. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey Jeff. Hey what? Where can all of our listeners go to get the latest, most up-to-date news about what is happening with the podcast? Well, the best way to get that would be
0: to sign up for our email newsletter. How do people sign up for our newsletter? The newsletter you can sign up for by going to the homepage of BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Right under the current episode information is a sign-up box for that. Now, what do they get if they sign up for the newsletter? Besides all the news and advance war- uh, advanced information on who the guests are going to be and whatever else is going on. What's their special prize?
1: The special prize is as soon as you sign up for our um, monthly newsletter, you get the exclusive Big A Fiction Podcast coloring pages.
0: That's right. You can color our logo, or you can color us, or, hey, you can color both. <laughs> and we would love for you to send those in. Uh, so we can see what your coloring looks like. And then we'll put them on our artist gallery page, which you can actually see at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash gallery. And in fact, if you just choose to go to the gallery, there's an email sign-up on the right-hand side of that page. Look at some art, sign up for the newsletter, then you can make your own art. It's really easy. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So you have something new
1: for us. Um, I wanted to launch a new segment on the show this week. Uh, it's called Top 5. And I'm going to be doing it right now. Do it! Ready? Ready! Ready. Here I go. Go! Okay. These are the top five best-selling gay fiction titles in the Amazon US store for the week of November 6th, 2016. Coming in at number five is Cold Turkey, a Thanksgiving-themed second chances story by Hayden Hunt. Number four is Ricky by best-selling author Ashley John. Number three, Double Dealing, A Marriage of Inconvenience by Nicole Colville. Number two is Wrecked by the author consortium known as Sierra Riley. And coming in at number one, of the best selling gay fiction on Amazon is Husband to Make a Family by Devin Morgan, a marriage of convenience romance. Those were the top five fiction titles the week beginning Sunday the 6th. Links for these titles can be found in the show notes for the episode for this episode at uh, BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Indeed, for episode number 57. So congratulations on launching a new feature. Yes, I hope everyone finds those helpful. And uh, you can discover some interesting, wonderful,
0: romantic new stories and uh, new authors. Cool. Now I have to I'm gonna ask a question to put you on the spot. What? What's, how do you define author consortium? Does that mean there's like... More than two back there? Is it more than like what Kendall Alexander have, where there's two of them who make up that pen name? Or um, I just use consortium because it
1: was a big word that I thought sounded sort of fancy. Okay, Sierra Riley is actually a group of several writers, uh, and they write under a single pen name. So I thought consortium sort of kind of fit
0: who they are. I like consortium. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But it is. I mean, it's more than. Then the two people that make up Kennella Alexander, there's several back there. So consortium's a good word. Okay. So Dream Spinner has come out with some new information in the last couple of weeks. They're expanding our favorite line of books, the DreamSpun Desires lines.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're going to have DreamSpun Beyond for paranormal and DreamSpun Undercover for mystery. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel about that? Because you're you're kind of our category mystery guru, or category romance guru, rather. Uh, I think it's
1: wonderful that they're expanding the line. Um, I think there is a lot of room for really fun, unique stories. Paranormal. Uh, the paranormal line is going to encompass uh, shifters and vampires and ghosts all that great stuff and dream spun undercover is going to handle all the you know sexy sheriffs undercover fbi agents you know all the hot bodyguard romances you can shake a proverbial stick at so (laughs) i think i think these two lines are going to be pretty awesome uh this is fairly um new news the The announcement was fairly recent, so we don't know yet exactly when these lines are going to be starting. Uh, My assumption is
0: they'll be starting at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but that is, as you said, only an assumption at this point because we haven't seen anything on the coming soon pages about how that is. But they did start the Dream Spun desires at the top of the year this past year, so. Yeah, so
1: something to look forward to. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely.
0: So keeping on with the DreamSpinner news, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show uh, that my novella Somewhere on Mackinac was part of the States of Love series uh, from DreamSpinner. States of Love started coming out uh, in August with the first of the novellas, and I invited my fellow States of Love authors to come onto the show if they wanted to, to talk about their individual entries into the series. And we kicked that off this week with Alicia Nordwell, whose On Fire book takes place in Washington. So I'm welcoming Alicia Nordwell to the podcast today. Uh, Alicia is one of the States of Love authors with Dream Spinner, and her book On Fire has just recently come out. Welcome, Alicia.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited. This is actually the first podcast I've ever done.
0: Oh, exciting. We'll make it really easy for you, I promise. (laughs) So tell us what On Fire is about and what state you've got.
2: Well, I picked Washington. I've lived here most of my life. So I jumped on it, even though I knew there's a bunch of other dream spinner authors from the area. Um, It begins in one of my favorite places in the state, which is Mount Adams and the whole forest up there. And my family goes camping every year. And so I just thought that'd be a great place to start. And my main character, Scotty, he's a photographer and he lives down here in the city where I'm forced to live. And he ends up going up to kind of commune with nature and take photos and nature's not always very nice. And she hits him with a lightning storm. Um, kind of goes on from there. Um, that was the easy part for me. You know, the harder part was researching my uh, firefighter who comes in to rescue Scotty. So that was fun, but uh, took a lot of work. That. That I necessarily mind watching videos of firefighters.
0: <laughs> I understand that one completely, and of course, I live in Northern California myself, so we see the the result of those lightning strikes and the wildfires that can that can happen pretty easily uh, in our forests here as well.
2: Yeah, everybody assumes Washington is wet because we have so much rain, but you know, during the summer, we do have those brief couple of months where. Especially on the east side of the state, which is a lot of desert country, it just gets really dry. So that was that was an easy way for me to kind of bring that sort of theme into the story and something people might not know about us.
0: Yeah, because I mean you're hundred percent right that I, I envisioned you know Washington as wet as Seattle is.
2: Right. And you know, I do have my characters living on the west side of the state, which is that sort of, um, environment definitely. But I grew up on the drier side. So, you know, I definitely know the high heat, the tall, dry grasses, the fire danger. I mean, we never got to watch fireworks on 4th of July cause there was always too much wind and too much risk of, you know, everybody setting everything on fire. So I like to play with that.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say the most interesting tidbit is that you got out of your research?
2: You know, I knew a lot about what I brought into the story. I tend to stick to what I know when I do contemporary. But like I said, I'd never done firefighters. And I had to research a lot of their equipment and stuff like the fire shelters. And we had some deaths in recent years of firefighters. But it was very interesting to watch the videos of these being deployed and and how they were really able to improve upon how they were protecting firefighters who were caught in their own fires
0: Mm-hmm. interesting that's kind of cool so you, you you got some some updating on what you already knew from living on the uh, east side of the state
2: yes yes it's always you know there's always twofold you try and include a lot of what you know I mean I worked in the medical field and um, I've had a leg injury of a different sort. So I was able to stay true to the that part of it and him being injured, and which really slowed down the relationship. But um, you know, there's always things that you need to make sure that you really know. So if a firefighter should happen to pick up my book, I would hope I did it justice.
0: Awesome. Well, we thank you so much for coming on and spending a few minutes with us to talk about on fire. Uh, we'll certainly be linking people to the book in the show notes so they can go out there and get that as well as the rest of the States of Love books.
2: Well, thank you for having me. And I will have to say you definitely made my first podcast easy and fun.
0: Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. So thanks to Alicia for stopping by and talking to us about On Fire. And we'll have more States of Love authors visiting with us over the coming months as more books come out in that series. Now, of course, speaking of books, you've been reading up a storm lately. Well, I don't know about a storm, but yes, I have been
1: catching up on my reading. What um, you got for us? <laughs> would you like me to talk about those?
0: I would, <laughs> yes indeed.
1: Uh, I have three books that I would like to talk about today. The first is A Matchless Man by Ariel Takna, uh, part of the Dreams Fun, Desires line. Uh, in this particular entry, um, a doctor named Navashin uh, returns home to Kentucky Uh, after he's done his uh, residency and all that stuff, and he is going to become a doctor in the neonatal unit, and he gets uh, Brent, a former uh, high school classmate who is now a realtor, to help him find a house now that he's moving back to his hometown. Uh, Brent is also very handsome, and they have a past, and they like each other. Uh, and they spend most of the book getting to know one another. What I found interesting about uh, *A Matchless Man* is, of all of the dreams and desires I've read so far, this is probably the most, um, the least. Well, I don't want to call it the least romancy. Um, I think it almost falls into the general gay fiction category because while there is a romance going on between Navashin and Brent, the main focus of the story is Navishin uh, reestablishing himself in his hometown, his new job, uh, the family dynamics, the complicated dynamics he has with his traditional family, the fact that he has a uh, younger brother who is developmentally disabled, and he has mm. his brother move in with, uh, to the new house with him, so that his younger brother can have you know at least a little bit of independence, which he's never had before. So, uh, while it does deal with the romance between Navashen and Brent, it also deals with a whole bunch of other stuff, which is really good. Uh, I think. The whole thing was uh, fascinating and wonderful. Really well written. Uh, bravo to Ariel Taqna. Uh A great entry into her Lexington Lovers series. Cool. Um, I'd also like to talk about The Senator's Secret by <clears throat> K.C. Wells. This involves uh, Sam, a senator, who uh, is photographed in a compromising position with Gary uh, uh, campaign volunteer, and what's interesting about this particular entry in the Dreamspun series is that the setup is literally identical to Marriage of Inconvenience, an earlier book by M.J. O'Shea. In both stories, the main character uh, is caught in mm-hmm. a compromising position in a photograph, and they then uh, impart. Uh, on a fake relationship in order to uh, sort of mend their PR. Uh, What this book demonstrates is while the premises are identical, the stories themselves are very, very different. In this case, uh, uh, Sam the Senator uh, has a very innocent moment on the back porch of the house where his campaign headquarters is, uh, forcing Sam to come out and say that Gary is his fiance. So, through the course of the book, while they're pretending to be fiancees, they actually get to know each other, uh, and then, of course, you know, they fall in love. Of course. Um, it's a really sweet book. I liked it an awful lot. Uh, Senator's Secret by KC Wells. Highly recommend that one. Uh, the third book that I finished just yesterday is. The most recent book by Devin McCormick, Tight End. Uh, It is a sports romance book concerning Tad, an NFL superstar who has been receiving death threats. So he is uh, assigned a bodyguard, Bryce, who is actually uh, an FBI agent who is undercover. So uh, at first, you know, they hate each other. They love to hate each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then, of course, uh, they can't get enough of one another, and they have the craziest wall-banging of sex you can possibly imagine Uh, throughout the course of the book. um, There's, you know, the wild PR stuff that Tad has to go through. Uh, Their relationship eventually comes to light in the media, so Brad and Bryce have to... Play up the fact that they're uh, an adorable super couple while Bryce is, you know, trying to save Tad's life during various situations. Um, While I knew going into this the sex was going to be like crazy and phenomenal, I was really kind of blown away by how character driven it is. Mm. These are two um, genuinely compelling but damaged people. And through the course of the book and their, you know, blossoming relationship, uh, they become whole once again, and uh, they find their, you know, true love and happily ever after. I really, really liked it an awful, awful lot, and I highly recommend it. Uh, Tight End by Devin McCormick. Cool.
0: I need to read all three of those. Yes, you do. Get cracking. Especially the sports <laughs> romance, because I'm all about the sports romances. Uh, besides Romance and the Beat, which I mentioned earlier in the show, um, I also read Gwen Hayes' Don't Stop Believing, which actually is of sorts a companion book to Romance and the Beat, because she actually wrote Don't Stop Believing using exactly the formula that she uh, espoused in Romance and the Beat. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to read about the beats and then read this book that was deliberately about those beats. Yep. Um, I loved this little book. It's a Christmassy book, um, that takes place between kind of a damaged lumberjack type guy who came out of the military and after a really rough time and now lives almost as a hermit away from this slightly small town. I'd call it small New England town. Um, he goes into town periodically for supplies. He does occasionally take in uh, rescue dogs. But he ends up kind of wanting this librarian, and the librarian kind of wants him, but they kind of don't talk about it. And then, of course, Mother Nature intervenes, and you know, Mr. Lumberjack goes out and rescues the librarian uh, in the middle of a snowstorm, and they end up staying together for a few days. It was a completely delightful, cute, cute romance. Uh, and I totally just was like, Oh Yeah, I'm nodding my
1: head. I Because really, you've read this, too. I've read it, too. It's a super sweet novella, Don't Stop Believing, by Gwen Hayes. I highly recommend that. And if you're an author, um, I mean, I've spoken about this in the past, mm-hmm. I also highly recommend Romancing the Beat. I think it's really
0: worth checking out. Yeah, it's. I think it's really helped us get our co-write onto the right track mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so something we haven't talked about in the podcast that's actually probably three weeks old now, probably, maybe, uh, is the Fox, uh, broadcast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, the remake that they did. It actually aired while we were at GRL, so we didn't watch it there and we just caught up to it last night, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, what were your thoughts on the whole remaking of the film? Um... Here's, here is my initial takeaway from Rocky Horror, the, they have uh, some some silly was, type. It was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again. Let's
1: Do the Time Warp Again. That's, yeah, that's its subheading. Anyway, so I don't have a problem with uh, remaking or reimagining uh, classic or well-known material. I mean, we have been to dozens of Broadway revivals. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Broadway, you know, slightly different than you know, remaking a movie or a TV show or something like that. But uh, in essence, I don't have a problem with taking well-known material and reimagining it. Um, in this particular case, they did not actually reimagine very much. No, they did uh, not. <laughs> it's essentially a shot-for-shot remake of the classic film Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, so I think it was okay, Um, wasn't particularly blown away. What I did enjoy, there were certain things I liked an awful lot. I'd like to point out... Uh, the performances of Adam Lambert, mm-hmm. who played Eddie. He, of course, has, you know, one song and that's it. Uh, he was remarkable. He made it, he made use of his screen time? Super, super fun. His, his few minutes are pretty damn awesome. I really liked Anna Lee Ashford as Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, Columbia also doesn't actually have a whole lot to do in the movie. I mean, essentially, she has the, you know, dance break in the middle of Time Warp. Um, they make her tap dance and combat boots so on a piano yeah on a pi- so not to you annalee not sure. just the top
0: of the piano but the <laughs> piano keys as well so.
1: um that was awesome i also thought her her one um uh columbia's one sort of short monologue before she gets zapped by the molecular transducer Um, she was really good. It was actually full of pathos, and it was like a real genuine moment. I thought, damn! (laughs) She was really interesting. And I actually, I loved Ben Vereen as Dr. Scott. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought he was uh, funny, really adorable. Uh, His song, uh, Eddie's Teddy, was really well done. Um, It was, you know, kind of uh, his own kind of cute interpretation Mm -hmm. of Dr. Scott, and I thought it worked really, really well.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I liked his performance. I liked Tim Curry as a narrator, too. It was nice to pull in Mm -hmm. somebody from the original film to do something. Yes. And I really wish it had been Susan Sarandon in the office with him uh, to have a female cast member from the original as well. But that didn't happen. Anyway, uh, I was disappointed. I... I'm, I'm 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 somewhere between that was okay and disappointed they didn't actually do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it to me was weird that the castle was the movie theater because they had people watching the movie in a movie theater doing what would have happened had you been watching the movie the, with the with the uh, audience participation elements in it. So I was a little baffled by the,
1: that. The premise was slightly muddled. The the meta idea. Of a movie within a show of a... I don't know. Yeah. It was
0: a little bit confusing. A little bit. Um, And I wish they had actually reimagined it. If you look at some of the things that have been done... And I realize this wasn't a live presentation, obviously. But if you look at some of the things like Grease Live and Wiz and Peter Pan and these other things where they take the property and play with it a little bit and do some stuff to it, I think... I was, I was wanting to see some sort of an update of some kind on Rocky. I don't know quite what that would be, because I'm not that creative-minded. But I wanted to see not just the movie. Because for me, the original film, I know this is blasphemy, isn't my favorite thing. Like, for me, Rocky Horror is the stage show that we saw. We saw the Broadway revival in, like, the early 2000s, uh, which was really stunningly good, uh, in my view. Um, and I wanted this production to be a little more of that sexy, sinister thing that the stage show had. Uh, I do agree with you on the performances that you called out. Uh, I, was, I was disappointed with Laverne Cox. I wanted something else that wasn't sitting somewhere between Tim Curry's take on it and as if Charles Bush was doing the role. I thought of a lot of her vocal choices reminded me a lot of Charles Bush in some of his uh, roles that he's done. And not specifically musical roles, but some of the vocal inflections he does when he's playing, when he's just speaking. In mm-hmm. um, some of his characters, like in the... What's the Beach movie? Oh, uh... Oh, no. Okay. Psycho Beach Party. Psycho Beach Party! That's it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like... I never wanted to turn it off, but I wanted it to be different.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I thought Laverne Cox was good. Um, it was an interesting choice to cast her Mm -hmm. as frankenfurter i think her particular performance was okay it was a little um wasn't bad it was just no there were some strange choices like some of it was parody Mm -hmm. some of it was camp Some of it was like her own unique take. She did have some really great moments. I thought she sounded fantastic personally. But I. It's. uh, But. um, Frankly, she had incredibly large stilettos to fill. Um, Yes. Tim Curry is one of a kind, and his performance in that movie is. Uh, there's really nothing yeah. else like it. His so, performance
0: in the film is one of the one of so, the things I do like about the film because he just goes for it.
1: So I think, it, yeah, it's sort of it was a little bit of a no win situation for Laverne. I think she uh, did a admirable job, mm-hmm. while the overall end result of the film is, you know, okay. Yeah. With some bright spots. Some bright spots. Okay with bright
0: spots. That's that's my opinion. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> so now, of course, we will just go hang our hats on the upcoming Hairspray Live on NBC, which I believe is December 7th.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Lots of really great, really talented people
0: are lined up, and uh, I'm,
1: I'm all excited. It's going to be good. Yeah,
0: Hairspray is one of my very favorite things. Uh, uh, love the stage show. Love both versions of the film. Um, can't wait to see what all these minds put together to uh, to wow us on NBC Mm -hmm. yeah so I think that might be it for this week yeah short show this week do uh, you want to wrap things up? Well, after last week's super-sized episode, re- yes. coming in a little short It's not a bad thing <laughs> yeah, for We once. had a lot of stuff to say last <laughs> week. Not so much this week. But So, uh, coming up next week on episode 58. J. Scott Coatsworth and Angel Martinez are going to be here. Uh, we had the opportunity to sit down with them during GRL to kind of talk about Uh, the origins of the queer sci-fi group. Mm -hmm. And A.J. Marcus is also going to be here to talk about his installment from the States of Love series, which takes place in New Mexico. Okay, that's all coming up
1: next week. So please come back and give us a listen. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit biggayfictionpodcast.com.